Hello, welcome to the Choose Love podcast. My name is Scarlett Lewis, and I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. Our mission is to offer essential life skills and tools that help us connect in healthy and meaningful ways, to manage our emotions, to grow through difficulties and challenges we face in life, to make responsible decisions, and more. We're not born with these life skills, but we can learn them at any age, and they provide a direct path to finding meaning and purpose in our life and to flourishing. We need them now more than ever. The Choose Love movement is now in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country and over 100 countries. Today, we have a very special guest, Howard Glasser, creator of the Children's Success Foundation and the Nurtured Heart Approach. Howard likes to think of himself as a voice for children's greatness so that ultimately children can find their own voice of greatness. So I want to read his biography, and sometimes I just kind of pick out special things, but Howard is absolutely an amazing person. I want everybody to know everything about him. His training background is in family treatment, clinical studies, and educational leadership, and his body of work has been inspired from his work with some of the most intense and challenging children. He's been referred to as one of the most influential living persons working to reduce children's reliance on psychiatric medications, and his work has been featured on CNN, in Esquire magazine, as well as in now inspiring a growing number of programs worldwide. Howard is the author of 15 books, including Transforming the Difficult Child, Notching Up the Nurtured Heart Approach, and Igniting Greatness, and is a sought-after keynote speaker at conferences in areas of treatment and education. The Nurtured Heart Approach has been successfully adopted by the state of New Jersey's coordinated system of care and is being examined as a model of care by other states, as well as currently being researched by both Rutgers University and the University of Arizona's Zuckerman School of Public Health, with findings soon to be published. He currently teaches certification trainings on his method, teaches at Andrew Wiles' renowned program at the University of Arizona School of Integrative Medicine, as well as in the new Transformational Wellness this program at University of Arizona School of Public Health. And you have a glowing recommendation by Patch Adams, who is a renowned renowned physician. And he says, this is the approach that I recommend. I actually met Patch in uh, Australia. We were speaking together at an event and he's an amazing person. And what Patch says goes to Mm me. I am so just thrilled to have you with us today, Howard. Thank you so much for being here. My absolute pleasure, Scarlett. So great to be here with you. So I was introduced to you by our Arizona Choose Love Ambassador, Dr. Heidi Pottinger, who kept saying, you have to read Howard's book. Uh, and 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 she introduced us. Uh, we were at the same event. And I finally read your book. Our, our, actually, our internet went out. And so I, I had the book. I sat down and read it. And I'm actually going to use the picture of the book as the promotion for this podcast because I could not turn down any more pages or add any more notes. It was incredible. (laughs) I loved it. I loved everything about it. And it was really especially meaningful to me because, uh, you know, I had I had kind of a a really rough beginning um, with my first marriage and my first son. And we had a lot of trauma in our household. And I had to learn to parent differently to be the best parent for JT. And I'm so thankful that I did that. It gave me a completely different approach to to looking at parenthood. But your nurtured heart approach takes that to the nth degree. And it's just like something that we... uh, all need to know and all need to put in practice, if you ask me. I'm so honored to hear you say that. That's that's um, wild to me. You know, I am I am utterly aware that um, I didn't I did not invent appreciation <laughs> and I did not invent acknowledgement and recognition. Um, but I had stumbled into so many 
families who were trying as best they could with, you know, normal traditional approaches they grew up with or had read about. So many people had piles of books by their nightstand. And, you know, because I worked in a clinic, so, you know, it, it had a skewed population of, of people who were there for the single purpose of trying to change things. And, um, you know, all I wanted to do was give them good advice. And um, they were already trying as hard as they could. And I, I had just taken a long break from um, my studies. I, I, I thought I'd take a year off for um, from my dissertation. I never got back to it. And uh, it turned into 15 years of, you know, supposedly doing my childhood dream of woodworking, which was which was wonderful in its own right. But when it came back, I I just dug out everything I had studied and I was innocently trying to help people. And I realized that there were some things parents said, thinking they had said something really cool and inspiring to their kids. And the child energetically was thrown against the other wall. I mean, it, it, there was a force field that was pushing kids back. And there were things parents said, not knowing they had said anything uh, inspiring that actually was inspiring. You know, there was a, there was a disconnect in, in how interaction was often going, you know, and, and I just kind of, awoke up or was woken up to, man, that seems to be the essential ingredient, that there's a river of uh, energy. There's a, a truth and reality. To, there, there's energy at the level of reality and a truth to energy at that level that runs the show. And, you know, you could say all day long, Billy... I want you uh, to be respectful. <laughs> you know, respect is the most important quality in the world. And, you know, you get urgent and you try and teach a lesson and you get revved up and you lean in and you're all excited in delivering the best lecture ever. And <clears throat> some kids just innocently are studying life and they have, a because of their intensity, more life force, they're, 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 um, they feel a, a, a more intense desire for connection and they find their way, their ways to the truth that they get a stronger dose of their adults in their life, parents, teachers, by way of their negativity. That when we're saying good job, a way to go, we're kind of, you know, I don't like the word lame, but we're kind of, we're kind of low key and you know kids get tired of getting crumbs as compared to when they mess up and and uh, you know people show up you know we say we're busy but we're never too busy for a problem wow isn't that the truth and then here's just the bottom line howard we're born with a negative bias and how much of it is that, mm -hmm. you know, just focusing on the negative, the majority of our thoughts every day are focused on the negative. And so wouldn't we then tend to focus more on negative behavior than we did on positive behavior? You know, I think that's wisdom right there. That's that's you sharing uh, uh, my version of truth, too, is that, you know, we, you know, how many tens or hundreds of generations back were our ancestors who had to survive and be utterly aware of tiny increments of danger, sounds and hints and and uh, senses of danger and um we were so alert to it and and um we're we're poetic when it comes to danger you know when it comes to something wrong we could we could you know talk for two minutes or two hours if we had to and when it comes to positive 
we we don't have much to say you know uh, if i if i'm in a, a bunch with a group of people and i say go around and say good job way to go thank you so much those those comments are inherently vague you know so i do think it's in our bloodstream to be negative to see what's wrong with the picture and it kind of leaves us in a very compromised position uh, i that's what i hear you saying and i confirm that yeah. So when you were saying in the book, like uh, a lot of times when kids are acting up, um, we say, hey, you know, why are you um, why are you not studying? You know, put that put that phone down, turn off the TV. And but if they are quietly studying or doing what they're supposed to be or just quiet in their rooms, they don't get much attention. Yeah, we could be we could be actually, you know, especially if you have a challenging kid, we could be walking on eggshells. Oh, I don't want to disturb Billy because, you know, I don't want to set set any fires (laughs) or, you know, Billy's having a bad day. I don't want to ruffle his feathers or Billy's having a good day. Let's not let's not, you know. Um, start something that wasn't there. So I, I, I think we're prone to um, being pretty quiet on the home front when it comes to what's going well. You know, I think it's a, a real gift if somebody has that ability and if somebody develops on, on their own like you have so clearly. And um <clears throat> What I kept insistently coming back to in my career was how can we reach further? How can we dial it up? And and I think along the way, it certainly wasn't this in the beginning, but along the way, I I took the risk because it seemed to be a loaded word. Uh, it, It seemed people seemed to be allergic 20 years ago to the word greatness. Um, but at at that risk, I began accusing kids of that and, you know, getting adults to see the beauty of that. And, you know, to my eyes, it looked at times like I was somehow engaging a gear of talking to a child on a soul level. And it was almost as if before my very eyes, this child, whether the compliment came from me or the other adults in the room, that the child sat up an inch taller. And uh, there was something really welcoming and inviting and expansive about that. And, you know, I've kind of taken that and run with it in my work. Because you were sitting down with kids that were kind of really... um, having problems and their parents were having problems with them, communicating with them, um, getting them to be compliant, uh, even having a relationship with them. And, and they would come to you and, and you would deal with it in a different way, not by setting up, um, you know, disciplinary actions, which I think, you know, it surprises me that we still go, even in uh, schools. um, I I know we had an incident when JT was in high school in Sandy Hook, and he, um, he had uh, an incident where a, a, a fellow young student was bullying him and uh i we Mm -hmm. were sat we seated down in the vice principal's office and i was given a a three-page list of disciplinary items and uh and it was so well thought out i could tell it there had been so much work into this and i looked at it and i know it was meant to like make me feel better and they wanted me to show me you know Mm -hmm. that you know depending on what it is these are the lists of (coughs) disciplinary things and you know we'll we'll probably suspend this person and they ended up doing that by the way and i think that they my I, I think that they thought that that would make me feel good. And I said, you know, 
I want to know what's going on at home. <laughs> I want I want you to tell me that you are going to be working with his parents and that you are going to be trying to help them fix whatever the issue is, assuming that that this was it because this wasn't a, a young person that was normally um, mean. And uh, and you know, of course, um, privacy laws and everything they they couldn't tell me, but I. I feel like for too long, we've gone down the disciplinary path. And you're saying that even that is attention for some kids that are that are maybe not getting enough loving attention at home, even this, even, even disciplinary attention, even negative attention is at least your energy to them, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm never going to argue that a parent who gets fed up and frustrated with their child and yells at their child underneath that all, they wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't a loving intention underneath that. If they weren't trying to urge their child, it, it's almost as if if you listen, I had an uncle who was a mechanic and, and, and I'd always mess up a car and he'd say, come on in and First thing, let's ride around the block and he'd listen and go, oh, that's a wing pen or whatever. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was unbeknownst to me, but, you know, he was always right. And and when I listened to those reprimands with my heart, what I hear is, you know, a parent wouldn't dream of getting crazed with a kid if they didn't believe that a transformation wasn't possible if this kid couldn't come to their senses. But I realized along the way that people don't want a merry-go-round or a revolving door and they get a like a two-minute timeout or um, some other disciplinary action and then it's right back to the same thing. When I had, when I had a practice uh, of all names on the planet, my, the name of my clinic was uh, uh, the Tucson Center for the Difficult Child. <laughs> it was almost like a Monty Python, <laughs> you know, where, you know, sometimes people would say, oh, I have the wrong number. <laughs> you, know, it was like, you know, nobody ever stayed on the line if they weren't like really concerned about their job. But I would I, I, I would encounter parents who've been through a journey, you know, like you're describing, where they took on the school's disciplinary measures or they read, you know, I'm never going to mention other names of approaches, but they meant, you know, they they would rattle off a couple of approaches that they were devotees of and it was still backfiring. And, you know, what I got to see was even in many approaches that seemed like firm or, you know, like, you know, strident or that, that may not be the right word, you know, um, clear or loving that there was so often accidentally, inadvertently still a lot of energy flowing from mm -hmm. negativity. Like if you if, if you get a kid who's dented the car and you that child comes home and you discover the problem or they've been using you know uh, a substance or um and you start you know you've studied you know something you know there are many approaches that are um natural and um what's it called logical consequences so i'm not identifying any one approach but you know it's so still easy to say okay i need to tell you what's going wrong what you mm -hmm. did wrong and here's the consequence of your action and before you know it you've spent minutes giving the gift of your relationship to that child vis-a-vis -vis the problem as opposed to having an alternative where you're not giving any like you're saving i i like you know i didn't grow up with the expression save your soul but i was aware of it and one day i woke up a few years ago and i went oh that's what i want to do i want to save myself for the good stuff i mm -hmm. i want to save it for, i want to reserve it for the greatness i don't want to give it away i'm going to be stingy <laughs> i am not going to give it away for the nonsense in life and you know and and unfortunately there are so many approaches out there 
um, and some of which are marketed for challenging children, and they still, when push comes to shove, fall into the same trap. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. You could be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org. Yeah, and I agree with you, Howard, because we only have so much energy, so many resources when we wake up in the morning, and we only have so much energy. And by the end of the day, we're tired, and so things can can turn south. Um, I know that, you know, I was a single single parent, um, sole provider, working full days, and then trying to manage two kids. And we used timeouts. And, uh, you know, after, but, but then I also, I had also had extensive training, actually, to, um, instead of punish bad behavior, reward good behavior. So, Here's the thing. We mm. had a bowl of little like treats when um, we had charts and we had like a train chart. And every time there was something good that was done, the socks were put away, the dishes were picked up and put into the sink, the teeth were brushed without being asked, whatever it was, um, we would fill in one of the train cars. And then when the whole train car was filled, um, the boys got to pick out a treat. But here's the here's the catch. You could pick out a treat from the jar and it was like just a little kind of toy. It wasn't expensive at all. Or you could have time with me. And what do you think they picked every <laughs> I, single time? Oh, I, I already... I, <laughs> I I can't imagine any other choice. I was one of these kids, so I know, I know what you know the, the real choice. Yeah, that's yeah. They want to spend time with exactly. you exactly, and and so I guess my point is to your point that any time or energy that you get with your parent, even if it turns out to be negative, is kind of precious and 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 even validating in a good or bad way and i think about how we have this mm -hmm. internal negative bias where we already are focusing on the negative so of course it just makes sense that we focus on the naked negative within ourselves and then we're going to focus on the negative within other people as well as our kids and so mm -hmm. you know that's what we're going to be giving our attention to because that's what we give our attention to for the majority of the day. And so then you set up this dynamic unknowingly, you're, you're giving your child negative attention and they unknowingly kind of in the back of their head go, oh, this is how I get my parents' attention. So then they start right. setting up yeah. that dynamic. And then before you know it, you have this going on and you didn't you don't even realize your part in it. You don't realize that they have a part in it, but it's really hard to break out of that. I would think uh, the only way to break yes. out of that is that I know of, or that I could even possibly imagine. And the best way would be the nurtured heart approach. Oh man. You know, and, and, you know, I, I, I love that you're saying that of course. And, and my premise <laughs> with I love that you said unknowingly because it is it's like the uh, the wiring that conducts electricity and the the wires don't you know there's a flow of electrons and I, I'm not I'm not eloquent in this I'm out of my league right here but you know the flow you know the 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 flow kind of is created by, you know, the positive and negative forces that draw it. And y yes, uh, parents inadvertently find they're in the midst of it and there's some blatantness to it. But there's also some very, very subtle ways that happens too. Like, for instance, you know, a child is upset about something that happened, you know, at school, and they, they they're anxious and and um, or sad, and and they might even in that quirky but common situation, 
find that when when there's nothing problematic issue driven to talk about that you know there's it's hard to get the energy flowing in their direction Mm -hmm. but you know that they inadvertently stumble on the fact that you know this parent is geared to worry and you know misery and and so the parent kind of rallies time and comes in it comes in three times a day and say how are you are you okay tell me what's going on mm-hmm. and there's a whole conversation that takes place around the depressed feeling or the anxious mm-hmm. feeling or and before you know it there's the child just finds themselves in a problem. Now, here's the good news. And and, um, and let me say this and then see where you take it. It is my work led me to realize that the same intensity that concerns parents and is problematic and symptomatic and drives people crazy sometimes is the very same life force that propels a child's greatness, that it's not a matter of making their intensity go away, which is the whole kind of impetus for medications. And, you know, in effect, that's what they do, because if you think about it, before the meds kick in and after they wear off during a day, the problems are still there. There hasn't been any healing. That you know, so the intensity is a gift in a way if you know how to reroute it, just like electricity is a gift, or it could be deadly, you know, depending on how it you know how it's conducted. Wow, could you imagine thinking of an intense child like that as a gift? I mean, that I, I totally agree, and and I also agree with you, and I'm speaking for you, um, that I think that we way over medicate because we don't understand, don't have the energy, maybe feel like we don't have the time to really, mm-hmm. really work on the kids at a, at a base level. And uh, you have had success with really difficult kids um, that are, that I mean, remarkable. Um, I did want to say first that, you know, the whole depressed kind of thing, the setup, you know, that you get attention from that. I know adults that do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's really interesting that the pathology in a child, obviously it continues into adulthood. And if you're medicated, you're not learning different strategies. You're just, you're just medicating yeah. the symptoms. And, and a lot of times, you know, when we would, when I would go with, with my kids to doctors, that's the first thing that they would do is just say, well, it sounds like, you know, they need some, some meds and, uh, and, you know, as being, you always assume that people have your best, your kids' best interests at heart. And I think, I think way too many parents just go ahead and do that. And you know why? Because they don't know about the nurtured heart approach. And this, this is so powerful. Can you uh, tell us the story? I know that you worked with kids that actually started fires. Oh, yeah. I, well, I've had a very interesting career. I, I think the first two years, it, it's almost like the universe groomed me for what I and do. And it does. Because I, I the totally first two, agree. <laughs> the, the first two years, I mean, it's grace. And the first two years of, of, of after I came back from, you know, my, my 15 years of sawdust and fumes, uh, woodworking, were... Um, it's almost like I could jokingly say we're with the easy kids who I could now look back and say, you know, they, they had uh, ADHD symptoms, you know, they had the hyperactivity, they had, um, they had impulsivity, they had inattentiveness, they had, um, they had all, all the classic symptoms. Some were diagnosed, some, hadn't yet been diagnosed um, and and some who had most of the kids who were diagnosed were almost um, very consistently 
put on medications. It it really has just been best practices. You know, me, you know, pharmaceutical companies are clever. You know, they they you know they gift money to universities by supplying pharmacologists to teach classes. You know, so uh, nobody turning that down typically, and you know, a far, a people in those related fields get a very skewed, uh, you know, uh, operant, you know, uh, education about you know what to do with these children. So that's still been best practices for a long time. So you know, after two years, the referral source changed. <clears throat> As as the nurtured heart approach, which didn't even have a name for five years, it I was not I was not on a trajectory of studying the literature and and uh, trying to cull together different techniques and and create an approach. I was just flying by the seat of my pants, and I the one thing I had going for me I was a keen observer. Basically, you know, after the first two years of nurtured heart approach becoming, you know, um, a little bit formulated, you know, a little bit off the ground, it's prior to any of those books. Um, the next gift the universe gave me was a changed referral source. So now I was getting the kids who were um, more um, concerning to the system in Tucson. They they were more expensive mm-hmm. cases. They had more complicated um, uh, up, upbringings, you know, some trauma, some you know, uh, opposition, defiance. Uh, there were kids with every strand of difficulty. And that continued, you know, uh, for the next 10 years of my practice where I just had this fascination, Scarlett, which made me dig in and go, okay, I've now seen all these easier kids turn around and I'm going to dig in and I'm just going to get that much better at applauding the parents every step of the way and doing to them, giving to them the way I want them to give to their child. And I'm going to get that much mm-hmm. better at um, taking what I have to offer and making it clearer and stronger and more potent. And and I really got to see some, uh, you know, eventually my reputation got out there enough that people would come to me from all over and, you know, you know, and say, oh, I got the toughest kid in Utah. I got the toughest kid in, in, in <laughs> Texas, you know, you know, can you work with my kid? And, and I, I welcome that, you know, gang kids, you know, um, and, you know, I, I remember one gang kid looking at me like I was the biggest fool ever and sizing me up and you could see in his eyes, he was, you know, at least at the very least thinking, how am I going to eliminate this person? And and take them out of the picture. And, and you know, I, all you got at the end of the day is honesty. So I said, I, I, I said, I don't remember the kid's name, but I remember saying to him, I see you looking at me like I'm a fool. And I see you, I believe I see you thinking of how am I going to get rid of this guy and take him out of the picture. I think I said punch his lights out or something. You know, I was <laughs> vulnerable. I was just the, you know, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was, I couldn't defend myself. This is a, oh, a bulking child, um, like a teen, and and uh, then I said, I, um, you, you could be doing that too, but you're not, and that reveals to me. And I mentioned some of the greatness I saw in him vis-a-vis this just this moment in time where he hadn't made the choice to be aggressive, where he hadn't made the choice to, to, um, you know, assault me or or yell at me or threaten me. You know, and I appreciated him for a, a you know a handful of things qualities that I saw in him, human qualities, dignified qualities, respect, 
and kindness. And, you know, mm-hmm. you would think that would make him matter, but it's almost like it pulled the plug on his anger. And, you know, we became friends. He became, he just became like a softer human being in, in the moments that followed. And we, we then had a working relationship. But it, there, there is a truth to the moment that to me is stunning. And I've seen that play out with kids who have rap sheets as long as your arm. Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me and it keeps me fascinated to this day. You know, it reminds me of the work that I do in prisons, and I love it because I can relate to everyone in a prison. They've had their hearts broken, and so have I. And mm. it's it's such a it's such a, a, a vulnerable and and deep connection that we have that we can relate from the heart to each other and provide each other healing. And it, it sounds kind of like the same way with the kids that you work with, which leads me to talking about Shamu. Oh, you got an old version of my book. I actually stopped using. That's so cute. I love it. I actually started explaining that concept. And I'm happy to explain Shamu um, um, because it became politically incorrect at some point because of what was happening at SeaWorld. Um, there was a there was a movie or two about it, and somebody told me about the movie i watched the movie and went i can't i can't use that i can't use that analogy anymore it's inappropriate so uh do you want me to tell the story All right, of i'm looking at my I, copyright i haven't i it's, haven't it's 2011 yeah <laughs> i haven't uh yeah there's 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 been a you know two or three more versions since then but i i you know let's go with it um you know i haven't told that story in a half a dozen years at least or more. And, you know, I, if I remember correctly, you know, the way they train <laughs> these, these uh, multi-ton mammals to jump is that they start with the rope at the bottom of the tank. They make it, um, you know, impossible for the whale to fail. And, and um, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, not whale, but the um, dolphin. Oh, I think it's a killer whale, isn't it? You know, I, maybe. No, it, Shamu, I think it's maybe, a killer whale. Maybe it is. Forgive me, all you Shamu <laughs> fans. <laughs> oh, God, I've just alienated <laughs> half the world. So, so. Oh, my gosh, Howard. No, I've been using this story because I love it. And it makes so much sense when you relate it to kids. Yeah, it, it's really, the, the you know, it may take Shamu, you know, uh, uh, you know, however many times, dozens of times for it to realize that it's the rope that it's going over, swimming over at the bottom of the tank. But then you start moving the rope to other parts of the tank. And if it starts following, then, you know, you have something to work with. Then you incrementally raise the rope, raise the rope until you're doing these incredibly, you know, um, entertaining feats and um it it really is it really it's a great story and i miss it now that i've you know recalled some of it and it it, well it really resonated with me because when you're talking about that young man sitting in your your office and you know you are you're you are acknowledging the fact that he is refraining from harming you <laughs> and seeing the humanness at that level that to me is a wonderful example uh, shamu is an example of that where you where you lower the baseline to nothing yeah and then nothing. once once shamu crosses over he gets a treat and then you 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 raise the rope and then all of a sudden shamu's not all of a sudden but after a while jumping 20 feet in the air yeah. and people are amazed Wild. it's like how did you get him to do that well i i rewarded what i saw and so i i love this because um when and I know that it works because it's a little bit of the approach that we used growing up in my household. But you know, I think about 
educators, the book that I read, and I'm reading um, all of your books, but the first mm. one I read was Notching Up, The Nurtured Heart Approach, The New Inner Wealth Initiative for Educators. Mm. And, you know, when you think about how educators handle difficult kids, you may have one or two difficult kids, maybe three or four in your classroom. And it, it you know, they get the majority of your attention. Yes, they can. And they're acting up and you have to focus on them. You've got to get them seated. You've got to get them quiet. Everyone else, uh, everyone else doesn't doesn't get as much. It's like the 80-20 rule. The uh, the most uh, misbehaved kids get 80% of your attention. And then at one point in the book, you said, oh, and if the, if the student gets to go to the principal's office, bingo, more attention. Oh, and, and what about a, a, a compassionate guidance counselor's office? Bingo again. Yeah, they, All you know, of this if, I were attention. That, if I were that kid, I'd fall, you know, I'm the, I'm the kid getting kicked out of my classroom and going to some adoring, you know, some wonderful, kind and loving counselor. I'm falling in love. I'll be back tomorrow. It's not rocket science. I want the relationship. Yeah, I remember. I was thinking the same thing about. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was thinking the same thing about the kid that was uh, sent home for days after um, bullying JT. It's like, wait a minute. If I, I think if I were in school and I knew that if I did something, I could get suspended for three days. I mean, isn't that what you want is to be home for three days? Well, and most likely in you're getting cases. a ton of relationship, albeit, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe, um um, maybe estranged or or challenge, you know, challenged Punishment. relationship, but you're still getting relationship. You know, you know, attention. A uh, you know, I've kind of moved away from the word attention, um, just because to me it's it's not you know um, it's not the it's not the we're not inanimate objects we're so multi-tiered and multi-layered and functional and um you know it's it's to me the multi-dimensionalism of us the gift of us is really like you said in your example um is really the bottom line and we we like in that great example of what do they want you know a, a treat from the bowl or or you you know they want us yes. and uh you know yes. it's, you know the you know the corollary two corollaries to the 80 20 thing is is it's that 20 percent of the school population that costs the school so much in in right in, in capital and human resources and and the other kids unmistakably don't think for a minute the other kids aren't watching the good kids are disturbed that the teacher's not handling those four or five kids well they're utterly aware and they're annoyed and the other kids who uh, who I like to think of, you know, the kids who who are in the middle bubble, um, they're taking notes. They're the you know, whether you call them the marginal <laughs> kids or I like to call them the understudies, they they're watching. Uh. They're watching. And and how do you think this is a question I have for you? I, you know, I, you know, there are so many metropolitan areas um, it's not just one or two anymore. You know, 10 years ago, you could rattle off a couple of names of cities. There are now umpteen of these cities that have the graduation rate, the rate of attrition from the school system is more than 50 percent. You know, we lose teachers oh. left and right. We can't afford to lose these beautiful human beings. And we lose we lose students left and right. And I think, you know, at at day one in kindergarten, you may have, you know, a couple, two, three, four intense kids coming in your classroom. And if you know how to handle that intensity and you know how to relate to all, not just those kids, but all kids, you you you're not going to lose anybody as a tragedy of the educational system uh, you 
you, um, I think the challenging kids just taught me a language that's applicable to everybody. And, and, you know, I'm not the one who discovered that. It was teachers who would learn this for the sake of one child or for their own child. And then they started applying it across the board. And, you know, I, I've just been in admiration for educators who who become masterful. I remember one, one, and then I'll stop, is in Phoenix. Um, she worked with a homeless, largely a, a very poor demographic of uh, underserved population. She had 40 kids in her classroom by herself. And she got so good at this that she couldn't wait for the next new classroom the following year so uh she could up her game and and um you know these kids got so nourished in her classroom regardless of what was going on at home regardless of the circumstances you know of course a heart breaks for kids in in despairing circumstances but you know my belief is that educators have the ball in their court and they can have profound impact um, by way of the, you know, the three, four, five, six hours a day, whatever they have, even in now circumstances every other day, they can so deeply nourish and enrich a child's life um, that, you know, if you read accounts of these kids who've turned around, they almost always say it was one person. Yes. Yeah. You always have that one person. And and I love reading in the book about how the educators that use the nurtured heart approach actually look forward to having difficult children. I mean, not that they want to, but they're not afraid of mm -hmm. it. And they're 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 fine with it because they get to use their skills and hone their skills and they have the confidence that it's going to work and turn that kid around. Mm. And I love the examples that you give in there of how to do that in case people who are listening are wondering, you know, well, how, how would you, how would you do a different approach rather than saying, Hey, sit down. And then at the third time, the kid doesn't sit down, send them to the principal. It's, uh, it's, it's looking at that child and uh, rewarding the greatness, bringing out the greatness yes. that you see that we all have within us. Yes. We all have that greatness. And so seeing the, the child that, uh, that, you know, you know, is fidgeting in his seat, right. But he hasn't gotten up yet. And so you go, wow, Howard, I see you fidgeting in your seat. And I know that you want to get up because by now, every day you would have gotten up out of your mm -hmm. seat, but you haven't. And I just want to acknowledge that good for you for being able to sit quietly in your seat and, I mean, it starts there. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I love, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and under the umbrella, I mean, what's it take, you know, how not great would it be if that child was running around and being disturbing? You know, we always have a choice of how we choose to say things. You know, of course, if a child goes over the line, you know, I, I want to be, uh, I, I want to play hardball with the truth of success, but I also want to play hardball with, okay, reset. You know, I want to unplug me, no gift of you, me to you for negativity. I am going to say the word reset, but I'm going to be quick to turn around and say, thank you for resetting. Now you're not getting out, out of your seat. You're handling your strong feelings well. Fidgety is a very you know, it's it, it's a it's a strong urge and and you feel fidgety, but that shows me your self-control and that shows me your um, power over your body. Uh, whatever you want to say, it's like the world opens up to all the greatness that's just staring us in the face like low hanging fruit. It's it's right there in front of us. And then all of a sudden you've you're not all of a sudden, but you eventually and, and it doesn't take too long. You change that dynamic from focusing all of your attention on what's wrong to focusing your attention on what's right. Yeah. And of course, the child's going to respond and then live up to that expectation. Yeah. 
it, it, it's almost like the problem. It's almost like the kind, loving universe that resets us all the time. You know, it's like a reset is an opportunity for me to reset too. I may, I may be mad, but I take my anger and channel it into, okay, I'm going to get really keen on finding the next moment when the child isn't being annoying, isn't rolling their eyes, isn't saying, you know, name calling. And I am going to jump into that with two feet. Uh, so I'm resetting me while the child resets and merely stops having whatever issue it was. And then I want to, you know, I want to be in the truth of the moment. I don't want to stay mad. I don't want to, I don't want to kind of um, lose the opportunities. Uh, it's really been fun watching, um, watching, um, Adults, parents, educators get so excited about their impact. It's, it, you know, I can hear the excitement in your voice. I, I, I'll do this right now, you know, uh, you know, because we could just waltz on by and, you know, I, you know, I could just like be happy. There's, you know, hasn't been any glitches and I could be happy to, you know, you have a stunning way of flowing in a conversation and listening deeply and being, in the next unfolding moment, which has helped me to feel alive in this interview. And it reveals, uh, I appreciate that so much because I've been in interviews that have been um, so, you know, abrupt in, in, in certain ways or, or um, unwelcoming in certain ways. You are so welcoming. You are so flowing. It, it shows your really true reverence for, um, for conversation and relationship and caring. It, it reveals your kindness. It, you know, the, uh, it, it reveals your desire to have this um, unfold in a way that allows your guests, in this case, me, to, to um, share. So I love, I love that in this conversation. And you are the greatness of, you are. It's not a question of whether you can or can't. You're showing me right now you are the greatness of respect and kindness and 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 care in these beautiful ways. I want so if 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 that serves as an example, the moment is always ripe with opportunity to you know in this case in 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 a lot of you know the the audience you have of educators and parents um, we we you know, and we have opportunities with kids. We have, it's always so right. When there's not a problem happening, it's right. I, I love that. And this is deeply personal to me because, I mean, we went through um, a lot of difficult times early on and I did have to change my approach of, of parenting. And so when I read this, it, it resonated with me as truth because I know that it works, but it took it to the next level. So I will go and say, Howard, um, I, I love learning about the trajectory of your work. I do believe that the universe provides us with ways to hone our skills until we actually come to our purpose in life. Mm. And you certainly have with the nurtured heart approach. I mean, this is a phenomenal gift. And I don't say that a whole lot. This is a, you are a phenomenal gift to the world mm -hmm. and, and especially to those parents and, and children and educators that are experiencing some difficulty in relating and, and looking for that, that positive connection and not seeing, you know, really suffering in not being able to get there, you have created an approach that can allow this to happen with even the most hurt and, 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 and 
diso- I mean, if I use disobedient because they're hurt, I, I believe that there are only two kinds of people in this world, good people and good people in pain. <laughs> so uh, in, in, in some in some aspect or, or whatever the situation mm, might be, beautiful. you have given the ability to turn that around in any situation to and, and simply buy <laughs> not with a needle, not with a pill, not with drugging, but with literally recognizing the greatness within someone. And and you can utilize this approach at any stage, at any age, and it can work anywhere with anyone. And it is really, really powerful. So I I want to acknowledge that within you. I know that this has taken a long time to develop and you've been through really difficult situations. I mean, like the one that you shared with us where you're in your office and you're, you know, you you don't know if you're going to be safe or not, but you you sat through that and, and were able to witness greatness even in that situation, which gives us the understanding that we can do it in any situation that we're in. And uh, and and truly, this is a gift that you've given to the world. I am just drinking that in. I feel so deeply appreciated by you and so grateful for our connection and so grateful for what you do and and for what I've learned about Choose Love and and um, how passionate you are in, in that endeavor and in turning so many people on to their choice of being loving. And, uh, you know, I hope we get to work together forever. And um, it's just such an honor to spend time with you. Oh my gosh, Howard, if you'll have me, I I do want to work together forever because um, the nurtured heart approach goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. obviously, with with uh, the the uh, choose love movement. I mean, it's 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 so applicable. And uh, and yes, you you will be hearing more of Howard Glasser and the nurtured heart approach. And uh, I'm I'm so thankful for you to have spent this amount of time. Do you have any la- final words for the audience? Uh, I uh, uh, whether you're a an educator listening to this or a parent or both listening to this, um, uh, you have the gift of your relationship, and we're always choosing. We're never not choosing uh, how we spend our moments and uh, where where um i'm convinced that uh you know it might be annoying to turn on you know um to to m- scroll through three or four or five news channels and hear the same event being covered in in diametrically opposed ways but you know that just alerts me to the fact that that it's always our viewpoint there, there are thousands of people hopefully more that are listening to this podcast and and everybody's going to take away what they take away in their own way. It's it, there's it a beautiful thing to our spin. We're allowed that we're kind of the producers of every moment on this planet. And and we do get to choose uh, how loving we're going to be in those moments and and what we're going to uh, see and speak to. And the, the last thing I'll say is uh, what I'm blown away with is um, that our hearts have a voice and allowing our heart to to state the appreciation we have for another human being is so wild and exciting. And I know people get into the profession of education because they have a dream of changing lives. And and it's not just imparting knowledge and giving kids reading materials. It's it's really changing the trajectory of, of a child's life and imparting wisdom and kindness. And so I know that's already alive and well in you and i see that beauty in you and i i wish you well across uh, along the journey and if there's anything ever i could do uh, i'm here 
so amazing. Thank you so much, Howard Glasser, author of, of Notching Up, The Nurtured Heart Approach, uh, as well as uh, 14 other books. Just an amazing approach that I believe every human being needs to be aware of and needs to practice in their life. So thank you so much, Howard. Thank you, our audience, for listening, for, for being present uh, and attentive, for for following the Choose Love movement. You are the heart and the breath of the movement, and we are here because of you, and we appreciate you so much. So thank you for choosing love, and we will see you next time. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let the healing begin. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love Podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. Join the worldwide movement to choose love. Our programming is in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country, in every state, and over 112 countries and counting. We're giving individuals of all ages the essential life skills they need to flourish. You can be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org.